Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking to the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, today to talk about the redistricting lines. And uh, the maps have now been redrawn three times by the redistricting commission that the Ohio voters approved back in 2015 on the ballot. And uh, there's been some difficulties with um, agreement but between the parties. That would be the Republicans and the Democrats serving on the commission. Uh, what normally is to happen is if there isn't complete concurrence of a vote of the maps, there to be four-year maps, not 10-year maps, and that four years from now we would uh, hash this out again. But uh, what has been happening is the Democrat minority on the commission has been filing lawsuits, uh, and they have filed twice on the redistricting commission maps that were approved by the redistricting commission, which is made up of the governor, secretary of state, the state auditor, the speaker of the house, the Senate president, the minority leader in the House and the minority leader in the Senate. Well, we have a primary coming up on May 3rd, and with us on the phone is Secretary of State Frank LaRose, and we're going to work this out because this last week, uh, meeting at court deadline, the redistricting commission again went back to the drawing board, redrew the maps, and uh, both for the, both the Ohio House, the Ohio Senate, and today, they just finished the congressional maps, so we're going to talk about that. Mr. Secretary, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Chris. It's an honor to be with you. Well, thank you. And so you have a deadline of sorts because there's federal law pertaining to the military ballots that have to be mailed out, and that's federal law. And so we have a May 3rd primary that the legislature set. Uh, they didn't move the primary, and, of course, this uh, battle was uh, playing out with the redistricting commission, with the lawsuits being filed, challenges by uh, the Democrats uh, that weren't happy and other interested groups that weren't happy with the redraw and the passage of the maps. So let, walk us through that a little bit now, because we're, we're into our third version of the maps now. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, Chris. And, you know, there's a couple things that, that you mentioned that are worth uh, pointing out for, for your listeners. First of all, this process started with nearly a six-month delay because the Census Bureau was late in getting us the data that we need to draw new maps. A lot of people have forgotten about this already, but in early in the year 2021, federal law required that the Census Bureau deliver the results of the census. Of course, they count heads in the year ending in zero, and they draw lines traditionally in the year ending in one. Before we can start drawing lines, we need to know where Ohioans live, where they've moved to, what, what districts have grown and which areas of the state have, have shrunk. Uh, unfortunately, the Biden administration and the, and the Census Bureau was, was egregiously late in getting us uh, the, the census data. So we started off with a disadvantage there. Uh, you're right that in the month of September, we passed, we passed state legislative districts. I thought that those maps were constitutional maps. Uh, certainly, they didn't win the approval of the Democrats. And so those were set to be a four-year set of maps. Now, you're right, that the minority members of the commission, along with uh, some special interest groups, decided to challenge those. Unfortunately, it took the Supreme Court of Ohio three months to consider that challenge. After those three months, they came back and told us that we 
effectively had not drawn enough Democratic districts, and they sent us back to the drawing board. Now, uh, you know, we, we started in, in earnest working again on that process. We drew another set of maps. Uh, those maps were passed and rejected again. Uh, again, the Supreme Court told us that we hadn't drawn enough Democratic districts, and they had a few other complaints about the map drawing as well. This time, it took the court three weeks to reach that decision. So again, we're, 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 we're further delayed and delayed. Now, where we are on state legislative maps is that just last week, we passed a new set of maps. It was not easy to do, and, and we actually ended up passing the deadline that the court had given us because the work of drawing these maps is enormously complex. I think sometimes people oversimplify this and think, well, just take out your state roadmap and your pencil and, and draw some, some lines on it. But of course, it's, it's not nearly that simple. What this is, is a sophisticated GIS computer, which is graphic, uh, you know, graphic mapping uh, on a computer. It takes dozens and dozens of hours, and it's clearly done by our staff that does this work. Uh, the court had ordered us to draw a specific number of Democratic districts and a specific number of Republican districts, and that was very hard to do. One of the reasons is that Ohioans tend to live close to others that share their political views. I mean, it, it's not uh, news to anyone to say that uh, Democratic voters tend to cluster in our urban areas, whereas Republican voters tend to be spread out in all of our rural areas throughout the state, as well as suburban and urban areas. And so the work of actually growing those lines to, com to comply with what the court had told us to do was enormously difficult. Now, what I've done subsequent to that is told the boards of elections, here, here are the new maps. It's time to get ready to run this May 3rd election. You mentioned that election day is May 3rd, and that's right. But what a lot of people don't realize is that early voting actually begins in just a couple weeks. According to federal law, we have to send out overseas and military ballots beginning on the 19th of March. Now, we've asked the Defense Department and the U.S. Department of Justice for a waiver because it's just not going to be possible to have all of that done in time to start sending out those overseas and military ballots uh, in two weeks. But what uh, the good news is, is that Ohio is really good at this. Our boards of elections are some of the most professional, dedicated, really bipartisan teams of elections administrators anywhere in the country. Ohio rose to the occasion in 2020, and Ohio is going to rise to the occasion once again. And when Ohioans get ready to vote, it's going to be an honest election. And it's going to be an accessible election. Chris, those are two things that we will never cut corners on. Every eligible that's, voter will have a chance to vote, and it's going to be an honest contest. Well, that's right. And if we look at uh, the second redraw of the maps, the Republicans on the commission, uh, from what I can see, even as from a layman's view, gave five more seats, I think three in the House and two in the Senate, back to the Democrats. They still objected to that, took it to the court. Uh, the court sent the redistricting commission back to the drawing board. again. Uh, basically how the vote went on the state Supreme Court. I think the listeners need to know, uh, basically, there are four Republicans. That's Maureen O'Connor, Pat Fisher, uh, Justice Kennedy, and Justice uh, DeWine, uh, and the three Democrats. Uh, Justice O'Connor, the Chief Justice, she sided with the Democrats, and she's pretty much turned out of office, but she has joined with them in this regard to uh, basically create some difficulty for us now uh, now, again, the last three draw of the lines, five more seats from what I'm, uh, the report is, has been uh, drawn favorably for the Democrats. So that's a total of 10. So I, I should see that they would agree to these maps, and I can't see them filing suit again. And if they do, that would cause even more difficulty and delays. Your thoughts on that, Mr. Secretary? 
Yeah, my thoughts are that, unfortunately, what we have right now is a liberal majority on the Ohio Supreme Court. I mean, I'm just going to be very blunt with you and, and with your listeners. And um, even though, you know, uh, the Chief Justice is, is a Republican, uh, she's part of a liberal majority on the court that has repeatedly now ordered us to draw maps that uh, I think are, are really not ideal. And let me be clear about something else. The maps that we passed last week are not anybody's favorite set of maps. I don't think anybody really loves the set of maps that we drew. We were drawing maps that we were ordered to draw by the Ohio Supreme Court. I've called it court-mandated gerrymandering. I mean, it really, they required us to draw maps with a specific number of Democrats and a specific number of Republicans in mind. Now, I, for one, I like to see competitive districts. I, I, I'm a conservative, Chris. I believe that competition makes us stronger. That's how it works in the free market. That's how it works on the athletic field. That's how it works in politics as well. I like to see competitive districts where candidates get out there and state their case and then let the voters decide. Uh, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, what we're stuck with right now is a set of maps that uh, really are not ideal. They are constitutional. I wouldn't have voted for maps that I thought were not constitutional. We passed what I believe are a constitutional set of maps but it's not anybody's version of uh, of, a, of an ideal map uh, that we passed last week. Well, and there were some uh, questions by the mi- uh, minority on the court at this point. There's supposed to be a majority, but they were a minority in the opinion that the maps were constitutional, and that would be Justices Kennedy and DeWine, who wrote dissenting opinions in that last decision, uh, really scathing rebuke of the majority, saying, Look, uh, it makes you wonder at this point which seven-member commission uh, body is going to draw the maps. What, the redistricting commission that was uh, basically in the Constitution that the Ohio voters supported, or this court? And I thought that that was some really interesting language and saying this could be a revolving door here. So, again, we have to get to the look, the right to vote of the people of the state of Ohio is so supreme, and, and, and uh, to have the districts... Uh, it's not a perfect science, as you stated. Uh, you know, a lot goes into it. And the, 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 the fact is, is that Democrats haven't been winning statewide races in a number of years now. In fact, in the last 20 years, they've only won once in 2006, where they've won the apportionment for what was the old apportionment board seats of uh, Secretary of State, Governor. Uh, they, in fact, the auditor was a Republican that year. Uh, so they really haven't been winning on the statewide level. And yet uh, they're kind of driving this ship. In fact, one attorney that advised our committee, I said, what what options do they have here? Meaning the legislature. He said, well, they could ignore the court. They could impeach the justice, meaning Justice O'Connor. They feel her that she's outside the bounds of the constitutional order at this point. And or they can let the Democrats draw the maps. And none of those choices are, are, are what the Ohio uh, secured with the redistricting commission, which, by the way, the public has been able to weigh in in a number of meetings as to uh, their interest in this whole thing. And again, no, uh, somebody coming before the commission, unless they have those types of uh, numbers and uh, um, the science to be able to draw the maps that would be constitutionally sound and have all the criteria that's needed. But input was given by the uh, public throughout this process. Your thoughts on that, Mr. Secretary? Well, Chris, you're right. It has been a transparent public process. We did dozens and dozens of hours of public meetings all around the state, and uh, we heard from Ohioans in every corner of the state, and it was all of us, uh, all seven members of the Redistricting Commission participated. Of course, all of our proceedings are broadcast live on the Ohio Channel, and for those that want to travel to the state house, they've been available to attend as well. 
one thing I'm going to correct you on, and I don't often disagree with you, you're right to say that Ohioans have elected Republicans statewide overwhelmingly in the last few years. In one area, though, we haven't, and, and that's in the Supreme Court. And this is where, uh, you know, we need to be very careful about who we elect to serve on the highest court in, in the state of Ohio. And this is where, uh, you know, we don't want to have a liberal majority of the Supreme Court going forward. A lot of times people are excited to come in and get a yard sign for the candidate for president, or they're excited to come in and get a yard sign for the candidate who's running for U.S. Senate or, or maybe for governor. Uh, but we need to start getting excited about the conservative candidates that are running for justice on the Ohio Supreme Court, because if we don't, then this mess could continue. Uh, you know, we need to be really focused and prayerful about who we're going to elect to the Supreme Court this fall. One good thing, though, is that uh, voters won't have to guess anymore. Uh, as of just recently, the Ohio General Assembly has passed a bill to put party affiliation for judges running for Supreme Court, running for justice, as well as for those that are running for the Court of Appeals. So again, when you see your ballot, there will be an R or a D after the name, just to help voters have the, uh, a little uh, clue of, of, of uh, you know, what party supports the candidates that are running for these very important positions. Well, that's right. We'll actually be covering the state Supreme Court uh, for the first time in a long time. Now, we they don't normally fill out the surveys, but there will be uh, that their party affiliation uh, probably a profile of the justices, and we will be drawing attention to that. I was referring earlier to maybe this other statewide offices, but you're right. The court is one of those areas in which people down ticket maybe have not paid attention to, and um, the Republicans have lost a few seats in recent years, and of course it's playing havoc now with the redistricting commission. We're listening uh, to uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, uh, who was also on the ballot in both uh, the primary and he does have a primary challenger, we must say that. And there are uh, obviously contested races uh, up and down the ticket. Uh, we have a U.S. Senate race, of course, that will be on the uh, May 3rd ballot. And, of course, that's a spirited campaign that's playing itself out here in the state of Ohio as Mr. Rob Portman has uh, retired from his seat, and it's an open U.S. Senate seat, and a number of uh, interested parties are vying for that. All that information will be available in the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide that will be available on our website at ohioca.org. We'll be surveying the candidates, and we'll have that up uh, later in the month of April, uh, several weeks leading up to the May 3rd primary. But again, as uh, the Secretary of State is that, uh, stated, is that um, uh, the early voting begins on April 5th? Is that right, Mr. Secretary? That's correct. The state legislature sets the time, place, and manner of the election, and for this election, they've set it for May 3rd. Early voting, like Ohio always has, will begin, uh, right as you mentioned, 5th of April, and, and there'll be uh, four weeks of early voting. There'll be a chance to vote absentee if you want to vote from the comfort of home. One of the, one of the reasons why I sometimes encourage people to do that is that you get to be a really informed voter. You can do like, uh, like Lauren and I do often. We'll put the kids to bed one night. We'll take our absentee ballot out. We'll Take a time to maybe Google those candidates and research it or to read the, the, the voter guide from Ohio Christian Alliance or other groups and make sure that we are casting an informed ballot all the way down the ticket. And then when you mail your absentee ballot in, you can track it like you would track a package. This is one of the one of the great security features that Ohio has that other states don't. You can just go online and, and like you would track a package you order, you can make sure that it's received at the Board of Elections so you know your vote is secure. But you're right, all the same choices that Ohioans have always had, early voting, absentee voting, and then, of course, the polls will be open from 6.30 a.m. until 7.30 p.m. on May 3rd. 
Well, Mr. Secretary, we appreciate the work that you're doing in helping Ohioans get to the polls and vote. And uh, what we saw last night with the president's State of the Union address, a lot of people are beginning to wonder exactly what exactly is happening in this country. A lot of confusion going on with the Biden administration. This last week uh, before the U.S. Senate was indeed um, a vote that concerned many pro-lifers as the U.S. House of Representatives under Nancy Pelosi, a very radical bill that would have put into statute uh, language abortion on demand, as the U.S. Supreme Court is, many believe, is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. Uh, Congress, the liberals in Congress are moving forward with a bill. They passed the U.S. House of Representatives and then uh, the U.S. Senate, uh, just a few votes short, which would have struck down every pro-life law that we've passed over the last two decades. Your thoughts on that, Mr. Secretary? Well, Chris, you know I'm a uh, lifelong pro-life voter and, and have been as an office holder as well. But this reminds us that elections have consequences. And uh, it's important that we have secure elections and honest elections, but it's also important that uh, people get out and vote. And that means you can't skip a single contest. You know, people get really excited about presidential elections. And I always remind people it's it matters who lives in the White House, and we know that, and we can see that profoundly with the mismanagement that we're getting from this administration. But what matters just as much is who lives, or who works, rather, at the courthouse or the schoolhouse. We know how, uh, how much we've been paying attention to school board races, thankfully, in the last couple of years, and that needs to continue. And it matters who works at the state house as well, because all of these elections have big consequences. Chris, you mentioned one of the dangerous things that they're working on in D.C. right now. Well, there's another one, and the president mentioned this in his State of the Union speech last night as well. And you've heard me talk about this. There is a long-term effort to take over how elections are run, to federalize elections administration. Here's the easy way to understand this. It is the Nancy Pelosi plan to really Californiafy, if you will, everyone's elections. She wants to tell us in Ohio that we have to allow people to uh, come in and vote without an ID or that we have to... Uh, Stop doing list maintenance where we work to remove deceased voters from the rolls. She wants to legalize ballot harvesting in all 50 states. These are the kind of dangerous ideas that are coming out of D.C. Thankfully, we've been able to defeat those. Um, and, and, and I'll be very candid that because of a few reasonable Democrats in the U.S. Senate, like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, we've been able to shoot these bad ideas down. But uh, I was uh, in an interview a couple of weeks ago where I referred to this as the zombie legislation because it's going to keep coming back from the dead. They really want to be in control of how elections are run throughout this country. We don't need bureaucrats in Washington telling Ohio how to run elections. Our state, in many ways, is the gold standard for how to do this right. And by the way, uh, you know, we've got a challenging circumstance in front of us because we've got very little time to conduct this election. We normally would have months to prepare. We only have weeks at this point. Uh, but um, when Ohioans go to vote on May 3rd, it's going to be an honest contest. It's going to be an accessible contest. Uh, we're going to have to move quickly, and our boards of elections are doing that right now since these maps have just been passed. But one thing we will never compromise, Chris, one thing we will never compromise is access or security. Every Ohioan who's eligible should be able to cast a vote, and we'll make sure of it. But it also needs to be a secure contest, an honest contest. We're not going to take any shortcuts when it comes to that. We're talking with Secretary of State of Ohio, Frank LaRose. Uh, the May 3rd primary is coming quickly. And, of course, the maps are being, uh, they were just passed this last week, the third version of them by the Redistricting Commission. Hopefully, third time is a charm, and these will be the maps that we have 
uh, for at least four more four years, and that uh, we'll be able to know who our candidates are, register, and vote. And, of course, um, those of you that can work the boards of election, we always want to encourage that. Uh, in fact, uh, check with your local board of elections in your county, seeing if they need help, uh, because we need folks to work the elections as well. Mr. Secretary, your thoughts on that? Every year, it takes tens of thousands of Ohioans to deliver that kind of secure and accessible election that we all expect. In 2020, we faced some real challenges because a lot of older poll workers were opting out. And so we launched five recruiting programs that have really become a model that other secretaries in other states want to follow. We recruited over 56,000 poll workers. And I say we, Chris, you were part of that, and the Ohio Christian Alliance was part of that. We recruited over 56,000 poll workers. So when you showed up at your polling location, there were going to be both Republicans and Democrats staffing all of those polling locations. It's a long day, but it is a rewarding experience. And the way to sign up is at voteohio.gov slash defend democracy. Voteohio.gov slash defend democracy. You put in a little bit of information there. The Board of Elections will contact you. They'll train you. They'll even pay you for your time. Uh, most people don't do it for the paycheck, but they do it for the sense of duty and, and patriotism. Uh, but uh, being a poll worker is a great way to make sure that Ohio continues to have the great elections that we have had. And I appreciate you mentioning that. And here's another tip. In Ohio, 17-year-olds can be poll workers. If you're a 17-year-old high school senior, you can sign up to be a poll worker. A lot of times they'll give you the day off school, maybe even give you extra credit for doing it. Another cool thing about this, if you've got a young person in your household, maybe a child or grandchild of your own or a neighbor, uh, talk to them about signing up to be a poll worker. And it's something that uh, I think they'll really enjoy the experience and learn a lot from it. Well, thank you, Mr. Secretary, for sharing that with us about the maps and, of course, uh, folks, uh, the opportunity to be a poll worker. And, of course, we want to always encourage you to register and vote. And if you haven't done that yet, please do register and vote. And where did they do that on the Secretary of State's website, Mr. Secretary? Again, voteohio.gov. Again, watch for that .gov. Make sure you're at the official Ohio Secretary of State website, voteohio.gov. You can register to vote there. Or if you want to fill out the old paper form, that's available for you as well. County Board of Elections, any library, any Bureau of Motor Vehicle locations. We make it easy not just to register, but we also make it easy to vote in Ohio. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing some valued information. And we will have the new maps that have been passed by the Redistricting Commission, both Congress and the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate, up on the Ohio Christian Alliance website. And if you click on that, you'll be able to see the new maps and find out where your state house and state senate seats are, as well as maybe your new congressional district. You may be in a new congressional district. So please do that at Ohio Christian Alliance. Thank you, Mr. Secretary, for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Chris. Keep our elections officials in your prayers. they got a lot of work ahead of them. Very good. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. And again, and again, that was uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose. And if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. And again, the new maps that have been drawn by the Redistricting Commission will be on the website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, 
and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. On March 11th and 12th, Bob France will return to the Embassy Suites in Independence as the MC of the nationally acclaimed Bringing America Back to Life Convention to introduce such renowned names as Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire, Milo Yiannopoulos, whose powerful conversion story is riveting, David Barton from Wall Builders, and many more. This 13th annual educational conference is presented by the Kurtz Brothers. Join us as we host one of the most significant educational platforms in the nation, designed to equip and engage all those involved in this, the greatest civil rights issue of all times, the right to life. Through focusing on prayer, action, voting, and education, Cleveland Right to Life is paving the way back to life. Help us to bring America back to life on March 11th and 12th. For information, tickets, and booth registration, go to bringingamericabacktolife.org, bringingamericabacktolife.org, or call 440-653-5245. 440-653-5245. The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about an important issue today in the state of Ohio when we consider the rule of law and justice. Uh, one of the things that we have here in the state of Ohio is the death penalty. And what we have seen over the last few years is that no executions have taken place in the state of Ohio since Governor DeWine has been governor. Now, in fact, uh, as those on death row come up for their time of execution because of the crimes of which they committed, the heinous crimes, um, their executions have been delayed after delay. And, of course, out of the governor's office is some uh, excuse about the lethal drugs, uh, the cocktail that's used, the company that provides them, and they're not able to get the drugs. Well, we're going to talk about how that's not exactly the truth of the matter, of why there hasn't been any executions. We're going to look over a few numbers here. Actually, since 1976, Ohio has had the death penalty, as the U.S. Supreme Court reinstated in 1976 the death penalty. You know, when we think of the death penalty, of course the concern is whether if somebody is convicted and they're actually innocent or there was circumstantial evidence. As it is today... Uh, there is no one that is actually executed uh, over circumstantial evidence. There may be people that are on death row from previous uh, dates of which uh, uh, DNA evidence uh, that is now available was not available then. I personally believe that no one should be executed 
uh, due to uh, circumstantial evidence. But I do believe in the death penalty. And actually, the Bible's very clear on this. In Genesis 9-6, right? After Noah and his family got off the ark and God destroyed the first world because of the wickedness of that uh, generation, only eight souls were saved. And as they stepped off uh, of the ark onto Mount Ararat, God spoke these words to them, "'Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man.'" So, you know, to protect the innocent, God actually instituted the death penalty in the world in which we live today. And it is to be carried out in a very uh, uh, justice of law in a civil way, not by way of retribution or vigilantism, but through the courts and through due process. And we believe in due process without question. But we also believe in the rule of law, and we believe in protecting the innocent. And when heinous crimes are committed and capital offenses such as mur- murder, exactly, uh, that, that's why the death penalty exists in the states, and Ohio is one of them. Let me give you the numbers over the last number of years. So let's go back to Governor Ted Strickland, who served from 2007 to 2011. That was just for four years. Eighteen executions took place during Governor Strickland's administration. Governor Kasich served uh, the people of Ohio as governor from 2011 to 2019. Eleven executions. Governor DeWine was elected in 2018, and this is now the year 2022. He is running for re-election no executions during his time in office. This has really been a concern of people who work in law enforcement, people who believe that ex- that uh, the death penalty is a deterrent, and uh, this business coming out of the governor's office, quite honestly, he's not being honest with the people of Ohio. If he doesn't believe in the death penalty, then the governor should just say that. And, uh, you know, in fact, why did he run for governor? Because a governor has three things that he can do. He can actually commute a sentence. He can pardon And the third thing is he can actually refrain from pardoning someone as a pardon is put to him uh, on a stay of execution and allow the execution to go forward. All these governors, previous governors, they had the same thing, the paperwork that came to their desk. But because the prosecutors, the rule of law, and the jury decided that this individual was guilty beyond a shadow of doubt, beyond, you know, no reason Uh, to believe that they were innocent, but that they were guilty of the crimes in which they were charged. And the ultimate is, of course, the death penalty. Here to talk with us about the death penalty in Ohio and some of the uh, suggestions he has as to what might remedy the situation as the lethal injection is State Representative Scott Wiggum. Uh, Scott, welcome to the program. Hey, Chris. uh, Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, thank you, Scott. A few years ago, you actually took this issue up with the governor, and because this debate back and forth, we know the ACLU and the liberal types, and actually there's people right now that are pushing to do away with Ohio's death penalty. There's actually a very false conservative group. They go by uh, concerned conservatives about the death penalty. But when you look at who's backing this group up, it's called a group called Equal Justice USA. They're a far left-wing organization backed by the Southern Poverty Law Center, the ACLU, and George Soros Money, I bet you, is behind it as well. They're for defunding the police. They're for opening the jails and reducing bail. The same kind of things we see in New York City and Chicago, L.A., and Minneapolis, and you talk to people in those cities, and we see it on the nightly news. There is no uh, rule of law and law of order, and I mean, it's just brutal on those streets, and people are vacating those inner cities. Your thoughts? 
Uh, well, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, basically, I see this as the continuation of the soft on crime policy that, policies that have been pushed by the left and accepted by some who may be considered conservatives or Republicans. Um, and, and I think that we need to rethink this and reject uh, the idea that the death penalty needs to go away, because the death penalty actually, actually upholds the sancti- sanctity of a human being, upholds the value of a human being, um, and the state has every ability and right to, to do that. Now, a, a good state will do it in a, a due process manner, just as you spoke to. So, yeah, I saw this coming um, when I got to the state house in 2017. Uh, I saw um, underpinning pushes. Not everybody's been vocal about it. Uh, but I, I took the issue uh, head on and tried to bring it, bring some attention to it in 2019. Well, that's right. And so what we've heard in these debates uh, about the lethal injection uh, uh, concoction or you know whatever the drug is that's used for the lethal injection, we no longer have obviously use old Sparky, which was the electric chair. Uh, we don't use the gas chamber. Yeah, I'm not actually a favorite of those either. I I do think we ought to maybe bring back uh, hangings or the firing squad, something that just makes it final. Uh, Lethal injection, fine. That's something that was implemented. And now the drug company that was providing it, it got political at that point. There's always something that can be administered to someone. In fact, how often do we see law enforcement hold up on the nightly news that they made a drug bust with fentanyl pouring over our southern border? And uh, they said this is enough fentanyl to kill every single citizen in our city. Well, you know, I think uh, you came up with a remedy a few years ago as a suggestion of how we just might solve the lethal injection um, uh, 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 drug that would use. Uh, explain that to our audience. Well, Chris, when you see this, so I know uh, the under, underpinnings of the push, right? The push to get rid of the death penalty. I see it in Columbus. Um, and I know that most Ohioans don't know that that is going on. Uh, so as that was happening, uh, Governor DeWine at that particular time in 2019 had delayed or pushed off. Um, I don't think he provided full clemency, but he was delaying uh, the death penalty for uh, certain individuals. And it, he was stating that it was because of uh, that drug companies would not sell their drugs to the state of Ohio if Ohio continued going down that path. Now, I don't know if that's ever been proven. I'd like to see uh, see that um, see that kind of information. I do know that Ohio's injection process could be changed, and it could be changed quite quite simply. But the but the bottom line was is that there was concerted effort to get rid of the death penalty. And so what I had suggested, and, and as you know in 2019, as now, uh, after we've had, you know, two years of shutdowns on and open borders on our society, you know and have seen the, the, the devastating effect of drugs uh, once again in the state of Ohio. But in 2020, it all kind of subsided just a little bit. Uh, it was starting to subside in 2019 because of a great economy. But uh, so bottom line is I brought up the fact that, uh, um, that you know, we, we have seized more fentanyl or we have seized enough fentanyl to kill Ohioans two and three times over. And, um, and so basically what I had said is that why don't we put something in place where we can use seized fentanyl? You don't even have to buy it if you don't want to. Um, so, you know, bottom line, my point was is that this is, this is simply an, uh, uh, an excuse uh, that our that our our, you know, our, uh, our administration is using 
to not go forward with the death penalty, because I think personally they're against it. Now, that's my personal belief, but they ought to just say it. I don't think it's about the drug concoction. You can change that. If you want to, change the law. If you don't think, if you think the death penalty is too easy to achieve or takes too long to achieve, then you change and reform the law. But you're going to need leadership on that to get those things done. So what I did is I, I offered a, a, a suggestion and a bill that I would, I would put forward using C-Spinanol for, uh, to, to replace any of the other concoctions that we do, uh, that, that we had used. Now, as you know, uh, in fentanyl, fentanyl, very small, small amounts were killing, uh, uh, you know, people were dying, uh, very quickly, very quickly. Um, and, and we knew, we knew, uh, we had a lot of studies on it and we knew how it worked. So I proposed that we use that. And, um, and that was, uh, something that, uh, was completely rejected by the governor at least three times in the newspaper, uh, uh, or in the, or, or in the media. So, that was my experience in 2019, but at that particular time, uh, I found out uh, some other people that were saying, yeah, I don't think that's going to work, because the conversation that I had with the media um, forced a lot of people to have conversations, a lot of people in leadership. So the speaker at the time was uh, starting to talk about his doubts uh, about the death penalty and so forth. So I started going down that, that route and um, um, in, in and so it subsided somewhat in 2020, because as you know, in 2020, it was all about the shutdowns, the lockdowns, and the, and the other, um, you know, the other things that have brought great human tragedy and consequences to the state of Ohio. Well, let's take a look at uh, the crime rate. Uh, and in fact, paralleling the suspension, for all intents and purposes, the suspension of the death penalty, which is the ultimate uh, uh, you know, death penalty is the ultimate rule of law of a civil society. No one likes it. It's a very unpleasant subject, without question. Right. I've already expressed my sentiment that I don't believe that anyone, based upon circumstantial evidence or just uh, or just a, a couple of witnesses, should ever be uh, sentenced to death. But when it's without a shadow of doubt, when there's photographic and DNA evidence that links uh, that person, and it's without question, without a doubt. Uh, and after appeal after appeal, uh, that person should face the ultimate in, in the uh, uh, justice of law. But uh, again, an unpleasant subject. But the, f- the fact of the matter is, we, we talk about what, what, what will happen if you do away with it. Well, for all intents and purposes, we have done away with it. Let's look at the numbers. Let's look at Columbus, the city that hosts our state government. In 2018, there was 115 murders in the city of Columbus in 2018. In 2019, there was 104 murders. But in 2020, there was 175 murders. And in 2021, there was over 200 murders. It is now the capital, uh, murder capital of Ohio, Columbus, the city of Columbus. And again, this is where our state government is hosted. Also, the, you know, the governor... Uh, has suspended the uh, the death penalty, and of course, what has also happened in the city of Columbus is you have a very liberal uh, approach to law and order, where you have a governor, uh, excuse me, a mayor who's very liberal, a, a city prosecutor, and now a county prosecutor who's backed by George Soros, who is releasing people on bail. They are taking a very weak approach to crime uh, and punishment of crime. Uh, the, the police are leaving the force all across our state. I just talked to an officer at our church on Sunday, and he said, Chris, the young guys, lots of young guys are leaving. He said they don't feel as if 
Uh, they're being backed up. They don't believe as if they're being supported, and crime is just getting out of control. You know, Scott, we got a bad way in this state, and folks are just beginning to wake up, and we're going to wake some folks up. That's why we're having this program today. But if you look at those numbers alone, we have to make sure that we have a death penalty in this state to let cr- those criminals know that you will face the ultimate judge- judgment. Again, Genesis 9-6. If you take a life, your life will be taken by way of uh, the process of a law uh, in a civil government. Your thoughts? No, no, I agree. So, so two things. One is 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 the push is is happening in the political world, and I think it's happening. Um, and and sometimes I think that they're trying to use biblical text and or moralistic moral moral relevancy. Um, as a basis. And so, so one of the things that you see is, you know, you've got bail reform laws that are being introduced. You have the idea that people in, you know, out in California right now, you can steal up to $900 worth before anybody's going to prosecute you. So what, what are they doing? They're making sure that small businesses are going out of business, right? All of them are, are leaving and they can't be in these towns when this happens. But ultimately, when you're talking about the death penalty, and I'll tell you one little quick story I had. Uh, when, when this came up in 2019, I was at the gym, and I was leaving the gym, and a, a college kid came out and approached me and said, hey, I know who you are, and I know the position you took on the death penalty, and I just want to tell you I, I don't agree with it. Uh, I proceeded to tell him about a death that happened in our county uh, years ago, uh, where an individual actually had uh, absconded a 13-year-old girl, uh, abducted her, uh, raped her, uh, tortured her, and uh, dismembered her. Uh, and then had the audacity or the the, the wherewithal that uh, late in the morning uh, went to a car wash to to wash out the back of the jeep um, and deposited uh, parts of her all over. I said that to him, and he looked at me and he said, "Well, maybe in certain cases." See, the point is, is people really aren't thinking through this. Um, I don't think enough because if you do have sanctity, if you do have care about that 13-year-old girl, you are going to want to push something like this forward because that is a um, that is something that is is uh, uh, of this of the state's interest, of the people's interest in the state. And so there's all sorts of arguments that they're making, uh, but that that would be the main thing. And then they go to the moral moralistic argument. So my 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 statement to that is, you know, you have this. Well, conservatives don't believe uh, in big government should have this power. Well, so so I, I understand that that idea and that that simple uh, exchange of thoughts. But the bottom line is is if we are doing uh, due process and if you reform it so that we know that it's not circumstantial evidence, we have we have the reality of a heinous crime that I had just described to you. Um, number one, people say, well, that, if that's the case, then, then maybe, maybe I'm for it in, in, very strict, uh, in very strict sense. Well, then, then, then you're not against the death penalty. You're just for the reform of the death penalty. Right. I think that's what most people are. So, you know, when I have conversations about this, that's what I'm finding out that most people are there. But, but the bottom line is, is you have this idea that somehow, um, that somehow government, when when it goes through the process, is not going to get it right. And sometimes, you know, we, we feel uh, that that could be the case. You have to have reform. I'm fine with reform. But you, 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 if your bottom line is to get rid of the death penalty, I think you're cheapening life right off the bat. And I think that's what we need to continue to push for. Well, again, there's legislation in both the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate, and they unfortunately have co-sponsors of both Democrats and Republicans. And folks, we need to let our voices heard. And we're going to get you the numbers on those bills. 
bills and a call to action in our next program. But I want to give to you a snapshot poll that we conducted at the Ohio Christian Alliance of our membership by way of email. And we just uh, opened this up for a few hours and allowed people to respond. Of the 238 people that looked at the survey, 110 actually filled out the survey, and the question was this. Capital punishment for certain crimes such as first-degree murder. The answers could have been support, oppose, or undecide. The support votes were 89% in favor of the death penalty, 7% opposed, and 3% were undivided. And again, this was uh, adult men and women and registered voters. So, Scott, I believe, and we're going to take a much larger poll, uh, we're going to do it statewide, uh, a larger sampling, but this is actually, I wanted to know where our folks stood, okay? Has there been a change in their minds about this? And there certainly has not. Uh, We survey every uh, two years, the state representative, state senate, those running for statewide office. uh, This year we'll be doing the same thing, sending out our survey, and that's a direct question from the survey. We're also going to talk about the effort to legalize marijuana, how we're opposed to that. We're going to give the poll results on that. We're going to be talking about a major push to push back against this effort to legalize recreational marijuana. It's the last thing this state needs. It's it's always been a gateway drug. It continues to be a gateway drug, and we just don't need that uh, in this state like they have had disastrously in other states like California and in Denver, uh, in, in Colorado. We're going to get some of those people on the radio program that actually talk about what has happened since they've legalized marijuana in those two states. However, back to the death penalty. So the people really want the death penalty, especially at a time when we just saw uh, in the last 18 months— Uh, In 2020, in the summer of 2020, we saw the streets of America burning in 200 cities of rioting, looting, and anarchy and destruction. And these, some of these cities, will never return to their former glory. And I mean, this is the wanton destruction of life, limb, and property. People were murdered, and this is at a time when. Uh, with that as the backdrop, people were thinking about getting rid of the death penalty in this state and lessening uh, penalties for crimes. I mean, Scott, I can't believe what's going on here. What, what's your thoughts? Well, no, and I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's why the death penalty, uh, after the the summer of of, uh, of of riots and pillaging cities uh, by a lot of, I think, Democrat-affiliated groups, in my opinion, um, you know, I think that people are not as, as vocal about this. But what I think is important that I think your organization has to do is, is get people, is, is get uh, people running for office on, on, on uh, the statement on the death penalty. Okay. Are you, are you in favor? Are you against it? Are you in favor? And of course, with reforms, uh, or, or are you against it under all circumstances? You can have different things, but I think it's going to be very important uh, for people to know where their leaders or the representatives or those who uh, want to serve them, where they stand when they go to the state house, because it's going to be a major issue and there will be a push and they might try to do it quietly. Uh, but we have to know where people are going to stand on this issue. Absolutely. And that- that's what we're going to do in the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide is we survey all candidates running for uh, the Ohio State House, the Ohio Senate, 
uh, running for Congress, running for statewide office, and asking them where they stand on this issue. And folks, we're not Johnny-come-lightly. We've been doing this for a while. And that's been a long-standing question in our surveys, and it's going to be featured in the voter guide. So, Scott, just taking uh, your suggestion there, absolutely, and especially since there is this biggest push that we've had in some time to do away with Ohio's death penalty, and we think it would be disastrous when it comes to rule of law and, and our civil society and protecting the innocent in this state. It would be a disastrous move. So, folks, we're going to get you more information. You can visit our website at ohioca.org or just search. Ohio Christian Alliance, and we'll be talking about this more. Scott, thanks for coming on the program today. Uh, tell us how people can reach you and uh, follow your work at the State House. Well, they can follow me. Uh, I'm on uh, Getter and Twitter, both under uh, Scott Wiggum. If they look, put that on, uh, they can also go to my website, uh, scottwiggum.com. Uh, and if they want to, they can go to the Ohio House uh, website that I have too, which does uh, constant updates of some of the bills that we're working on. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Scott Wiggum, uh, state representative. And uh, what's your new district's number now? My new, my new district number is uh, 78, but it's still uh, Wayne County, Ohio. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you. Thanks thank for, you. for having me. All right. This is Molly Smith, President of Cleveland Right to Life, welcoming you to attend the Bringing America Back to Life Convention, the largest pro-life educational convention in the nation, on March 11th and 12th in Independence, Ohio, sponsored by the Kurtz Brothers. Join our MC Bob Franz, as he welcomes guests such as Matt Walsh, Milo Yiannopoulos, David Barton, Peter Kersenau, Reggie Littlejohn, Father James Altman, and many more. For more information, go to bringingamericabacktolife.org or call 440-653-5245. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Well, again, this is a very serious issue that we're talking about, obviously Ohio's death penalty. And I'm just going to give you the numbers again. During the DeWine administration, there has been no executions as Governor DeWine has all but suspended the death penalty in Ohio. This has not been by way of legislative action. This has not been uh, done by way of uh, the legislature. This is the governor basically uh, implementing his own policy of no executions. That's not what Ohioans want. Uh, his previous predecessors, under John Kasich and under Ted Strickland, uh, a, a Democrat, they carried out and allowed the, the a rule of law to take place and what the will of the people was and uh, bringing justice against those who violated against the innocent. Now, you're listening to News in Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and we're glad that you joined us today. And uh, you, if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening.
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.